My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy. My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be asleep. And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we'll be rating each episode on whether it is A, a episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end where we'll explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, Michael Horowitz, Ben Watkins, or any of the other people that follow us on Twitter, please get in touch. <laughs> you can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind about the way we say anything at burnnoticepodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticepod. And as always, that is burn noticed with a D, like the name of our podcast, which is a fun pun, sort of. <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I it's, I also do want to point out that uh, Jeremiah Chechik also follows us on Twitter. Jeremiah Chechik, so hi. The the uh, the people who I know who are associated with Burnouts and follow us on Twitter are Michael Horowitz, Ben Watkins, hilarious. The week the like literally days before we to- we told everyone that he has a big men being emasculated by little women fetish. Terrible timing. Peter Lilianis, who's one of the various writers, and now Jeremiah Chechik. We have four confirmed real-ass burn notice people following us on Twitter. I think also a guy named Mario Xavier was like a PA, maybe a second unit AD. Like he he was involved in some way. And he he's followed us for a little while too. But we I have just we, wanna be a fly people on the know wall. about us. <laughs> I want to be a fly in the wall in conversations about us because I know that they've happened. I they know have they to happened. at this point. Exactly. Ugh. Oh, anyway. I am. Uh, oh, uh, really quickly. Could we talk about Ben Watkins Twitter really quick? Okay, his, let's talk about Ben name, Watkins Twitter. Ben Watkins Twitter. It's underscore Benipedia underscore. And his bio is husband, father, artist, fan. A hit dog will holler. <laughs> what the fuck what, does that mean? What does that mean, Ben? What does that mean? It's like <laughs> it's I like it's almost will... as bizarre as Wicked Pissa JD, which I still have not gotten over. I will never get over Wicked Pissa JD, ever, ever, ever. As long as I live on my deathbed, I will chuckle. I go Wicked Pissa JD and then pass away. I will also say uh, something that has been continuously heartening is that the few burn notice people that I do follow that like actively tweet seem to all be on like our side politically. Yeah. And like it would be very easy for them not to be given the type of show that burn notice is often. Um, So I appreciate that. And Ben Watkins is a he's verified. Jeremiah Chechik is not verified. Benny Boy is. He's got almost 3,000 followers, so pretty small. Jeremiah Chechik. I actually have more followers than Jeremiah Chechik. Hey, Ben Watkins, we're going to, like, accuse you of having a fetish and then make (laughs) fun of how many followers you have on Twitter. Thank you for following us. (laughs) I'm I'm more mentioning that, like, the verification rules on Twitter are so bizarrely applied. Because, like, in a lot of cases, especially if you want to apply for it, like, you have to have a certain threshold, which I don't think that that meets. And it's also funny that poor Jeremiah Chechik uh, and Peter Lilianis, neither of them are uh, are verified. Poor boys. Poor boys. Anyway, like last week, I am still feeling the effects of the COVID vaccine, but I and am I'm, hosting this I'm week. still feeling... <laughs> yeah, and I, I was just going to say, I'm still feeling the effects of being in a room where the window is closed and the door is closed, and all I have is paint fumes and work emails, so. But hopefully my duties as host will keep me from totally, like, drifting off into sort of sick nonsense. Yeah, I feel like last episode, which you were also feeling the effects of, I feel I feel like the energy was pretty good. I mean, I think it helped yeah. that we really liked that episode. That's true. But, you know, props to you. Had you yeah. not told me ahead of time, there really wouldn't have been moments where I was like, hey, Chris, you feeling okay? No, totally. And I hope that keeps going into this one. So season five, episode 12, Dead to Rights, which aired on September 8th, 2011. It was written by Jason Tracy and directed by Big Daddy Nix. This is the first episode to be directed but not written by Big Daddy, which honestly, I want to say right now, I think was a good choice. I think that like, I liked a lot of the direction in this episode. And I think that like, given like this isn't a mid-season finale because we're going to just keep going, I think. But it feels like a mid-season finale. Like, Mm -hmm. it's definitely like a sea change. Like, we're shifting gears now. We're going into the second half of the season. And I... Right. 
I think that, like, having Jason Tracy write this was a good choice. Ooh, why do you say that? Well, I think, like... Is it just because Matt Nix is not writing? He does write next because, week's episode. But also, record. like, I think that, like, Jason Tracy, as a writer, is more likely to, like, A, write jokes, but also, like, B, kind of, like, follow character beats more. I feel like when Matt Nix writes these, they tend to be just, like, little action movies. That's true. Like, uh, just a string of action sequences. Yeah. Without any sort of character story, whereas this is super a character story. Definitely. Yeah, it definitely is. And, like, I think that, like, because it is a mid-season finale, but it's also, like, it's a mid-season finale that's also, spoilers, a Larry episode. Like, it's an episode that is not just a string of action sequences. It's, like got a story to it and i think that like it's got like a premise and like a hook to it beyond mid-season finale because it's a larry episode and sure i think that like and because it is a mid-season finale like and not just jason tracy writing an episode because like he pitched a story or whatever like it doesn't have some of the like problems that some of his episodes tend to have. Yeah, that's fair. I'll give that to you. And the premise of this episode, by the way, by the way. To IMDb is after Michael gets off the hook for Max's murder, Larry returns to force Michael to help him break into the British consulate. And then I am ready to get into the weeds if you're ready. I am ready to get into these weeds. All right. I will say when I read that IMDb description, I was a little worried that like, oh, we had a really cool cliffhanger. It sounds like we're going to deal with that cliffhanger really quickly. And they do, but I do think it's earned. And like, because this, there's a lot of stuff going on in this episode, I didn't mind that like, we kind of dealt with the Mac shit pretty quickly. Because also, who gives a shit about the Mac shit? Yeah, that was kind of where I was at. I'm like, no, we haven't given a shit about Max this whole time. The fa- Frankly, the fact that Max gets this fucking full-blown investigation and poor goddamn Diego from season two gets fucking nothing. Like, no one ever mentions Diego again. I'm still kind of salty about so yeah it's fine that we skip over this who cares about this guy but like, and we don't we, skip over it like this all feels big it just, oh yeah it it's, is, all, like, it's all related quick. but yeah. but yeah like the the actual assassin piece of it is exactly it's like it gets to be this sort of like james bond opening essentially but yeah so yeah, it's because so it starts speaking of the opening <laughs> yeah it starts with sam and jesse who are burning rubber back to the loft because michael is not picking up his phone but they get to the loft and they see the feds unpacking the place sam decides that like oh pierre's finally got him we need to get like we need to do something about this and sam decides that the best option is they have to intercept the car with michael in it before they get to fbi headquarters which means stopping an armed motorcade as it's driving with fee's car no less there's there's a lot of like real fun business where like sam instantly regrets this decision but like jesse is the one who's driving and so like sam does like a lot of like backseat driving while jesse's like wait what are we doing what and like it's kind of chaotic and fun yeah and at a certain point jesse's like shut up shut up stop shut up stop talking (laughs) yeah it's like really goofy but like Fun. And again, not yeah, a thing fun. I think it's would happen in if yeah, Matt Nix had written this episode. Yeah, I think it would have been a lot more straightforward and serious. And like, there might have been a little bit of a back and forth about the fact that it's Fee's car, but like, it wouldn't have gotten, it wouldn't have been heightened like this, which exactly. I think it needed to be, because like, this could have been a lot. And I yeah. think that it, it, it hit the right balance. Exactly. And they are able to like stop the motorcade. And then there's a tense standoff. But Michael is able to convince Pierce that she'll regret not going after Tavian. Because the Tavian meeting is still in the process of needing to happen. Like Tavian is still <laughs> waiting. Like stranded in a parking garage. Exactly. But yeah, Michael is able to convince Pierce that like you'll regret it if we don't go. So they all go to Brickle Key, which is where the meeting is happening. And also, I just like saying Brickle Key. I don't know why. It has a nice ring to it, Brickle Key. Yeah, that's nice. But yeah, they drive to Brickle Key, where Tavian is waiting, and Michael convinces Pierce to let let him go in alone with a wire and no weapons. Also, Fee is there at Brickle Key in handcuffs, and she and Michael do one of their Michael's probably gonna die kisses. (laughs) So Michael meets with Tavian high up in a parking garage and gets him to admit that Yes, he did kill Max. Michael then reveals that the FBI are listening to them, tells Tavian to give himself up, at which point, like, Tavian gets all fatalistic and mysterious and says, this ends for me, it doesn't end for you. And then he walks off the edge of the parking garage and falls to his death. Which, like, I feel like there were not enough guardrails here. (laughs) It should not have been possible for him to walk off like that. 
Yeah, it shouldn't have been. Also, I, I was looking at the IUDB trivia for this episode, and one of the, the goofs is that there's too much blood next to his head when Michael looks over the edge because he just fell. So, like, there wouldn't be that much blood there. And I'm like, thanks, Burn Notice IMDb editors. Thank you for this. Thank you for all of your blood knowledge. Anyway, so presumably a day or two later, Pierce releases Michael back into the wild, but she is not happy with him for lying to her. Michael is picked up by Madeline from the FBI headquarters. Madeline finds Pierce to be very rude, and I enjoyed that. After Pierce leaves, Madeline reads Michael the Riot Act, saying, telling him that the things that he does affects everyone, and he needs to think about that more. Uh, and Michael says that it's over now, but Michael and I, unfortunately aren't so sure. <laughs> so a very exhausted Michael returns to the loft only to fall right into the hands of our old pal Larry, who has escaped from the Albanian prison that Michael had sent him to last episode with him, and now needs Michael to help him break into a British consulate. And he's already kidnapped someone to do it. The kidnappee is a man named Anson Fullerton, and he's a psychiatrist for spies, which is probably something that Michael needs right now, which is not what this episode ends up doing. There's a bit no. towards the beginning where I thought that like he was going to shrink Michael, but that's not what happens. Sadly, I do think that that would have been an interesting thing to do. Like yeah. maybe 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 in a later season if Michael ever gets like fully reinstated with the CIA or at least enough reinstated that he has some level of like responsibility from them, like that they force him to go to like office mandated therapy. Uh, I just think that would be a neat episode. I want to know what Michael Weston says to, like, an unrelated third-party medical professional, just, like, about his life. Because then that way, that could be, like, a fun homage to what I think the season series ends with, with Michael Weston's spy tips being something he says in therapy. It's almost like a Sopranos, like, wink-wink. Yeah. No, I know what you but, mean. But, like... I just think that would be cute. That would be cute. What's not cute is that Larry has Anson's wife rigged to a bomb so that she will be blown up if things go bad. Anson, turns out, has a patient that he's working with at the British consulate. And so, like, he can he knows all these clearance codes and he can help, help them get into the building. Also, Larry eats a yogurt. <laughs> anyway, outside of the consulate, Anson gives them the codes to get in the building and access the safe for whatever it is they're stealing. But Michael says that the code has the wrong number of digits and tells Larry to check the code on his phone. And while Larry checks, Michael slips Anson a knife and tells him to cut himself free while they're gone and to go find Sam Axe. And he, he specific, yeah, he specifically tells him to go to the hotel yeah. that Sam Where I guess lives is. at now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, as they head for the consulate, Michael tries to get info on the job that they're doing, but Larry is not very forthcoming. Uh, he eventually relents some and tells Michael that he's got a job working as a disease science guy, like a kind of the same thing that the guy, the husband last week was doing, some sort of bioweapon shit or whatever, or like some sort of like disease guy. And so they're go like they're gonna go in like with Larry as the disease science guy and Michael and, and is this is dumb. this is a a cover that he's developed for a little yes, while like the guards exactly. know he's, him the guards know him yes like he's going to go in because he works in this and he works in this lab that's like right below the consulate so they can go in through the ceiling but yeah and so Michael is going to pose as his like dumb idiot lab tech assistant like it is part of Michael's cover Larry says that Michael has to be dumb <laughs> which is great I will say like this was the episode, funnily enough, where I was finally on board with Larry. Well, I think probably, and I was thinking this as I was watching it, but I think probably what you're reacting to is that Larry is finally an actual antagonist yeah. and doesn't have, like, this weird opinion of Michael that, like, Michael's gonna be a psycho like me, my son, my, f my, my small psycho boy. Like, it was just, like, he's just a dick who Michael knows, and exactly. he's, like, ruthless. Like, that's good. It's good. It works, that yeah, it's working a lot better. There's not this... Well, it's because they're not doing the thing that they used to do with Larry exactly, anymore. and like, <laughs> and there's a reason for that, which like I had not, I did not suspect yet. Again, there is like a couple of things that this episode is doing that like I figured out what they were doing before they did them. At this point, I have no like suspicions that this is anything other than an episode of Burn Notice. Other than Matt Nix is directing it, and that feels, like, special. You mentioned the guards. There's two guards who, like, work here at this building. And, like, Michael has to pretend to be this dumb guy who forgot his, like, past because he's dumb. But we make sure to meet these two guys. And they're just, like, two regular security guard guys. They're also kind of dumb, but not pointedly dumb. 
They're they're the they're burn notice security guard dumb. They're burn notice security guards. Uh, and Larry says that playing dumb suits him. Meanwhile, Anson meets Sam at his lady friend's spa and fills him in on the situation. And as soon as he says the name Larry, Sam calls V. And back at the lab, Larry gives Michael some stuff to break into the ceiling, including a screwdriver. And there's this very dramatically directed moment where Big Daddy Nick is flexing. Where Michael <laughs> considers killing Larry with a screwdriver, and it's like these like long like pull like push it like push ins and like pullbacks like cross cutting between like Michael holding the screwdriver and like Larry doing some wiring or something. But then Larry reminds him that if he dies, then so does Anson's wife. So Larry sets off an alarm, and then he and Michael go to the security desk and let them know that there's been a minor containment leak. And that they don't need to call the police, but they do need to be scared shitless because there is some sort of disease on the loose or something. But, like, it's fine. It's exactly is- serious enough for you to be scared, but not serious enough for the police. Don't yeah. call the police. And there's do this, not like, call funny the police. Bit it's where, fine. Like, like, Larry has, like, planted some, like, dust or something on his arm. And he just, like, wipes the dust off onto their table and they look at it horrified that's very funny um, yeah, but yeah it's good. And, says, you, and you get like a shot of michael like kind of reacting like oh yeah well, that's that's kind of fucked and up they do need to be scared shitless and they should not let anyone in and they should also not be worried about any loud noises that are coming from the lab because that's just them looking for the leak you know how like you do that you know it sounds like drilling or whatever that's fine right don't yeah, worry chemical about stuff it. uh-huh yeah. I won't call the police. It's fine. It's fine. So Sam and Anson are on the way to Anson's house and Sam calls Jesse and tells tells him to tell Madeline like that it's a Disneyland kind of day, which is like a cue for Larry's in town and we need to get out, out of town and then she'll know what's up. Mm-hmm. So presumably Madeline's safe at Disneyland with Jesse maybe for the rest of this episode. However, when they get to Anson's house, Fee is already there, but also it's too late the bomb went off and Anson's wife is dead. I mean, fucking dark place to start out with, but Exactly. Go off. I was legit surprised by this. I was like, oh, wow. And I knew that there was more to it. Because I was like, there's no way that they would just, like, do this. And also, like, even them saying, like, it doesn't make sense that Larry would have blown her up already. Like, they all think this is really weird that this happened. So Sam and Fee ask Anson, uh, like, what Larry's up to. And he tells them about the whole like consulate thing and they realize that they have to go to the consulate and Anson says that he's coming with them because he wants to see Larry dead and this is the first point where I started to think that maybe Larry was dying in this episode yeah I I started to have that too like a he's got a death wish kind of a thing exactly and especially since like yeah they're writing Larry differently and like Larry's more mad at Michael like he's mad about this whole prison thing and he seems like less like cuddly or whatever like he's actually like a real shitbag in this one that being like oh i guess maybe they're gonna kill larry and i was like well my, matt nix is directing this one speaking of larry as michael gets ready to cut into the ceiling larry talks about how bad it was in the albanian prison and michael tries to get away by saying that he needs some cardboard to protect him from the sparks that are going to come when he cuts into the ceiling and larry says no, and that anyone should be used to getting burned, it's you. <laughs> Get it? Get it? Oh my gosh, the show's called Burn Notice. I just Because Burn that. Notice? <laughs> There's a whole thing. For some reason, like, Larry is making a lot of jokes in this episode, and they're so weird. They're, like, kind of bad jokes. I feel like they're purposefully bad jokes, but they're also just weird jokes. Maybe they want to remind us that he's supposed to be kind of a father figure. And so they're giving him a lot of dad jokes to reinforce. Weird dad jokes that are kind of, (laughs) it's an odd choice. Like, yeah, he's saying like all these like weird asides. Like it kind of feels like they're writing Larry like he has been written in the past, but also in a way that feels more weird and sinister and off-putting. It feels like in this episode, we're not meant to laugh with Larry ever. And so all the jokes are kind of worse and off-putting. I do, I do kind of think that that works, though. Like, No, I the, do. I whole, agree. The whole idea of Larry is supposed to be that he's kind of unsettling. He's like this uncanny valley, like, potential future Michael Weston 
if Michael Weston decided to go with his dark passenger that definitely exists for sure. That's why Larry's so disappointed. But I also agree that like, this is also a good sort of mark in favor of Jason Tracy absolutely should have been the one to write this episode over Matt Nix. Oh, totally. Anyway, so security guards won't let Fee in. And so they decide that the best way to get in is to take a freight elevator. And so they set up a block of C4 to blast their way in. But as they're setting it up, they get a call from Larry, who is watching them from the security camera. He tells them that, If they do anything, that he is going to kill Michael. He also makes a weird comment about how Sam lost weight. Again, again, he's doing all these weird, unfunny jokes. He he hangs up and Sam thinks that he's bluffing because he likes Michael. But Anson, the spy shrink, says that no, he's talking like he's definitely already planned on killing Michael this whole time. And like, it does feel different. He's right. Mm -hmm. So Larry and Michael crawl through the ceiling into the consulate. Larry says that the British are just as good at decorating as they are at holding on to their colonies, which is such a weird, dumb historical joke. Like what? Yeah. It feels like the weird shit that Max had about the French, you know? Yeah. But it's (laughs) also like. What's happening? Like that happened so long ago. It's like, you know, that like, it seems like a weird thing to, like, hit the British for. It's so, like, dumb. Also, doesn't Britain still have, like, a fuck ton of colonies that they've I mean, colonized they over some. the years? I mean, they did lose a lot of them after World War II. But, like, but yes. But it was also just, like, but it felt, like, so, it felt like a joke that, like, Sean Hannity would make. <laughs> Because it's, like, a weird, there's, like, a weird sort of, like, pro-America-ness to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. like somebody who, like, buys a flagpole to put a don't tread on me flag on. Exactly. And, like, it's super aggro when they see, like, flag burning on Twitter or something. Anyway, and so they get into the consulate, and then Larry kicks the shit out of Michael and tells him that Sam and Fee and Anson are out there. And he also says that he knows that Michael should have been burned, considering that Michael stood by while Larry killed some people in Chechnya, and Michael helped cover it up, which, like, finally... It's like we're finally sort of actually talking about the thing that happened that makes Larry think that Michael is bad. And like it does but seem like, like a legitimately we don't get bad almost, thing. We, we barely get any like detail though. It's like Larry did yeah. a bad thing in Chechnya. Michael covered it up and then immediately is like, that was the job. We work for the CIA where we do stuff like that. And it's like, yeah, but like also it's fucked up. Like again, like I think – Again, it's not super well done, and it feels like a little, it feels like too little too late. Like, we should have gotten this before. Like, this should have been in the first Larry episode, not the last Oh, yeah, 100%. Because, like, Like, one of our major issues with all of the previous Larry episodes is that, like, Michael's Dark Passenger makes no fucking sense. I mean, this still, like, one job doesn't make sense. I think it is interesting to sort of remind us that, like, if you work for the CIA, your hands aren't clean. Even if you work for the quote-unquote good guys, you often have to do bad things. And that's something that has been a theme of burn notice. Like, there's so many burn notice spy tips that are like, you know, sometimes to do a good thing you have to do a little bit of a bad thing and that doesn't make civilians any happier with you blah 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 but like agreed this is way too late like wildly too late late. and also but again also more evidence for me as i was watching it that they were definitely killing off larry in this one because it's like oh we have we finally have to save a thing that we were dancing around because we won't get another chance to do this um so they get into the office and larry explains the whole deal michael is gonna plant some papers in a diplomatic pouch in a vault that can only be controlled with the security office which makes breaking into this place a two-man job larry will control the vault and the security and will monitor michael from the cameras as michael goes in and swaps out one diplomatic pouch for one that larry wants to plant with like papers in it that will make larry money or whatever and make people's lives worse so in the vault room michael is able to find a place out of view of the security camera and manages to get a call to fee he takes a long time this is a long phone call larry is theoretically busy deleting security camera footage but it seems obvious that like michael is Doing something shifty. Right. And also, like, I I was paying attention to the shot of Michael, like, where we can see the phone. And, like, definitely the angle doesn't make sense. Like, from the angle that Matt Nix was shooting him from as he's on the phone... You could definitely see that on the security. And he's like also holding a phone like normal. Like he has his whole posture is I'm on a landline. 
It's so fucking obvious. And yeah, it is a super long phone call. It does not super make long sense. Ball, like, but it doesn't end up mattering. And Michael calls call Fee, <laughs> who has yeah. been busy arguing with Sam about how to break in. Fee tells Michael that Anson's wife is dead and that whatever Larry has planned, it's bad. Michael tells Fee that where where in the building Larry is, but also tells her that like the windows are bulletproof and there's nothing that she can do. And the only play here is to pull back and do what Larry says and then clean up the mess if Michael survives. But like Fee is not having that. Fee is like pretty certain that Larry is going to kill Michael, because especially because Anson has been saying, like, no. It's different. Like, yeah, he's going to kill Michael. And so Michael talks to, like, Fee and says, you need to leave. Fee is on the phone and she just starts, responds like, yes, no, you're right. We will do this thing. I'm. G- we will break in, much to Michael's dismay. And then she hangs up and tells Sam that Michael found a way in, but they need the jaws of life. So she is, like, pointedly ignoring what Michael is saying, like, telling her to do because she wants to save Michael, which is a good beat. I like this beat. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it works. It works for me. Yeah. So while Michael heads into the vault and Larry deletes security footage, Fee plants the biggest, best kind of explosive that money can buy on the window of the room where Larry is working on his shit. Uh, then she sets up a sniper perch on another building and starts shooting at the window. With, and of course, the bullets bounce off because it's bulletproof glass. And so Larry like kind of laughs and then walks over and calls Fee as she keeps shooting. And they have a little chat, and then Larry realizes what's up only just before Fee sets off the bomb, and there's a big explosion. And Fee gets really satisfied that she finally killed Larry, but then explosions keep happening, and suddenly she's afraid for Michael's life, because it's like there's one explosion, and then there's a beat, and then suddenly there's like five other explosions. And yeah, like all over the huge. all over the building. It all kind of looks like destabilizing ones. Like I was also worried for Michael, although we cut to him at one point, and it just sort of shakes a little bit, and he's like looking around, like, "Huh, wonder what's going on." Yeah, wonder what's going on up there. But yeah, he goes and finds Michael, who survived the blast. He asks why she planted explosives in the lobby, and she says that she didn't. And he says that the security guards are dead now while like police sirens are ring out in the distance and they both escape because well fee just committed an act of terrorism <laughs> against like an ally of the united states which is the point where he also realized that anson was a bad guy so back yeah i wasn't lot- really thinking about it i was like very passively experiencing this episode but like as I was watching, I could have sworn we'd seen this guy before. We fully haven't, but like this guy is so ubiquitous to like, yeah, he's like the sort uh, of shady really... guy on procedurals. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I just you assumed. see him all the time. Mm-hmm. But that was the thing about him is that like, he's definitely someone who works a lot. But like, I think it was actually really good casting because like, he's a good character actor, but it's also conceivable that he would have been cast just for this episode. He's not so big that it's like, oh, this guy is right. He's more clearly going to be sticking around for a while. Else. But yeah, back at the loft, Fee is devastated that she killed those two guys. And when Michael tries to assure her that it wasn't her fault, she says, no, it was because I pressed the button that c- killed those men. At which point Anson walks in and confirms that he's a baddie, but he's not just a baddie. He is the baddie. The baddie. He is the guy who built the organization that got Michael burned. Yep. And he's the only one left. Yep. He, and he's been pulling the string, the strings on all kinds of shit because he's a mastermind. And now he's got evidence that Fee did a terrorism and killed two men. And so he has them in his pocket. And that's where they're going to stay. Oh, and that wasn't even his wife. It was just some lady. Yep. Horrible, so, horrible stuff. Michael meets with Pierce. Who's just to be really grump- clear, though, when I, when I say horrible stuff, I mean, we're back on this fucking burn notice plot. <laughs> Can I say, though? <laughs> yes. But I will say I like this character. I think, like... Yeah, the character is definitely interesting, but I maintain that, like, for all of Marvel's faults, their Hydra situation is a much more interesting way of doing it. The system yes. is corrupt. They're too deep in. And I that's why I'm still kind of bad that Max was just a guy that died. Like, I do think it would have been more interesting that Michael realizes that it goes deeper and that like him getting back into the CIA might not be worth it because the CIA I itself is corrupt. I think that's definitely, corrupt. I agree. But also at the same I just time. Wanna, I just want to put that in there. 
I want to say, I do want to say though, what I like about this character, it feels like they've done more work to set this guy up than like, say, Simon or something. Simon was like a weird magical mastermind who just did weird Right, Joker but he shit. never actually affected anything. Everyone was exactly. talking about him, but he never did anything that affected Michael. Exactly. This guy, even though we don't know him, he has, we have seen the, like, what yeah. has happened as a result of his machinations. Exactly. And it feels, yeah. And it's like, not fully. They're earned. doing this thing like that I don't. Before, but there's like they're doing this thing that I don't love, where it's like, like I really hate when plots turn psychiatrists into like a superpower, like the Harley Quinn. Yeah, or like no, but in the sense of like I can read people and all this stuff. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I do think that like his plan in this episode feels mastermindy, but also feels reasonable like his plan works because he's expecting everyone to act in ways that it's reasonable for them to act like it wasn't like it worked out just that like he like did a thing at exactly the right moment and like he did like he predicted everything to the second he just predicted that fee would blow something up because fee blows shit up a lot it feels like mastermindy but it feels reasonable sure and i like i liked that like i was on board for all yeah that's that's a lot of the time yeah well you're you're totally right when there's a psychiatrist mastermind they make people do stuff that doesn't make any sense like honestly it reminds me of one of the shit yeah like one of the middle larry episodes actually where like we're meant to think that larry has convinced um fiona and sam that like michael is you know terrible and hates them and they shouldn't come through and help him and he's convinced michael that he should be just like a free agent with larry and we're like this doesn't make sense this is bad manipulation because they're not acting in any sort of reasonable way yeah, whereas, like, this felt like good manipulation. It felt, like, all, like, just clever enough that it's, like, exciting, but also, like, feels, like, reasonable. Yeah, I think good manipulation is, like, a good lie. There has to be a kernel of truth in it. Exactly. It has to start from somewhere real. Otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. Exactly. So anyway, after this, uh, Michael meets with Pierce, who is grumpy, but willing to admit that Michael did a, did a good in finding Max's killer. Also, she tells him that she is still his agency contact, whether she likes it or not. Which is cool, because I like Pierce. I'm glad it means that she's going to stick around for a while. Yeah. No, I... Certainly, um, at least until until the end of this season. Yeah, definitely. No, I'm a fan, as we know. So I'm glad that she gets to say. <laughs> we we can't let you get horny about Lauren Samuel again. We can't do this. No, it's fine. I'm sick. I'm not going to get horny while I'm sick. <laughs> I'm dry as a bone. But dry I, as a My bomb. brain is wet. I mean, it's true. I have a little bit of a fever. I, I'm a little sweaty, but also it's just warm in my bedroom. There, you get to know about my bodily fluids. Also, Delightful. she tells Michael that the feds are working on the consulate bombing and she's not doing it personally. They're not investigating it. But hey, if you hear anything, keep your ear to the ground. You know, maybe you know something about this bombing. Mm-hmm. And then finally, Fee and Michael meet Anson on the beach and he explains burn notice, essentially. <laughs> he says that he was a shrink who evaluated burn spies on their way out and decided that their talent shouldn't go to waste. So he and Fraser's dad set up this whole thing, forcing burn spies to do their dirty work. He also mentions that he's like a long time ago, he subbed in on Madeline. He subbed in for Madeline's psychiatrist, like fi- like when the show started, and that like because that was part of him evaluating Michael, and that really pisses Michael off. Well, he and also then- reveals that he talked to Michael's dad too. Did he? Yeah, he said like that, but that's, you know, she she gave us a lot, but that's nothing compared to what your dad gave us back in the day or something like that. Oh, I know. I thought, yeah, I'm pretty I thought sure he just Im- meant that like, no, I read that as like, that's nothing. Like, I read that scene like, yeah, you get a lot from your mom, but also like, I felt more like that's nothing compared to like the way your dad fucked you up, like based on his conversation with Madeline. Oh, yeah. I read no. that as he also talked to his no, dad. No, I don't think so. Because like his dad's Cause dead, dad, right? Yeah, but he hasn't been dead that long. I thought he's been like, dead he, for like. I think he was alive while Michael was still a spy. I mean, yeah, but like not when he got burned. Not when he got burned, but like they could have, but like they set Michael up to be burned. So presumably they had done some digging into him prior. I mean, they did. I get the sense that like, I got the sense like considering the fact that like, 
He says that he interviewed Madeline five years ago. So I'm assuming that like Michael getting burned, like all the preparation for Michael getting burned happened not too long before Burn noticed the show starts. His dad's been dead for a while. No, I'm pretty sure he's just saying that like, yeah. Okay. I think he was just saying, man, your dad fucked you over. Got it. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Anson like meets them on the beach, explains Burn notice, and then just kind of leaves. Like, I'm not sure what this meeting was about. I guess to just sort of like reinforce like, I fully own your ass. But yeah, I will say like, I, I like Anson. I think he's a good villain. I'm kind of, I wish we weren't still doing burn notice stuff, but if we have to be still doing burn notice stuff, I think this is good. I think like they've done a good job of setting this guy up as the guy in a way that feels like legitimate. I I mean, he has all the right answers. They've filled in enough holes that it's like, all right, I guess this guy could be the one to fill them. But I don't know. Like the fact that this is all the masterminding of one dude (laughs) who's just like, man, it's a bummer that all these burned spies can't be spies anymore. I wonder how I can make crime money off of them. And also we've never met him and we don't know who he is outside of, I used to be a psych guy, like turning from just like psychiatrist to criminal mastermind is is sort of a bizarre leap. I think like on paper, I hate this, but I really liked the execution of it. Do you think that that's a matter of, like, the actor? I think the actor is selling it. I think the script sells it. Like I said, like, I think, like, it feels like they're doing their homework more. It's Yeah, it sounds like they have a better um, writer's assistant who was like, hey, guys, here are the five threads that you've been dropping for years. Yes. It still doesn't change the fact that the entire Carla season was wasted bullshit. But, like. Exactly. Fine. Him and Fraser's dad were in cahoots. I just want to point out really quickly that he refers to Frazier's dad as management. So, like, it's very clear that management was just Frazier's dad's name. Like, not, like, his actual name, but, like... Right. Like, Like, that's just how everyone referred to him. Yeah, which is, like, the show I always kind of did that. It feels weird that people did that. It's, like, kind of odd. It's, like, because he literally says, like, at the beginning, it was just me and management. And it's very clear that management is just Frazier's dad. (laughs) Anyway... Let's move on to spy tips. So there were six spy tips in this whole episode. Oh, wow. And one of them was garbage, so I threw it out. So I've got so there's five a lot spy tips. On this. Yeah, I've got five spy tips here. I think four of them are good. There's one that I don't know if it's anything. So I've taken that one and put it at the end of the list. <laughs> okay. Specifically, to, so to really ratchet up the tension. Tension, yes. Love it. Better plotting than burn notice. Let's do it. All right. Stopping an armed convoy is a tactical nightmare. The easily accessible cars, the ones in the lead and the tail, are the ones that don't matter. The trick is getting into position to target the key vehicle before anyone realizes what you're doing. There's no real safe way to do it. Send the lead car into a tailspin while inserting yourself into the convoy, and you can create your own little roadblock. Yeah, smart. I don't know if I have the precision driving to do that considering that I spent five minutes trying to parallel park and then just gave up. But uh, yeah, useful. Yeah, no, Theoretically. <laughs> Level three contagion facilities are designed with massive exhaust systems to quickly remove harmful gases in case of emergency. They're just about the only type of ventilation shaft a full grown man can fit into. So they can double as vertical passage to the next floor up, but you have to make your own exit. Yeah. I I didn't know there were levels to contagion facilities, although I guess that makes sense. And I also appreciate that they're sort of contextualizing grown men can't just, like, climb through the vents. The vents need to be specific. Here's one. All right. Before cell phones were invented, it was much harder to call out of an office without everyone else in the building seeing that you were on the line. Diplomatic spies in the 1980s. In the 80s, devised an easy solution to the problem. A corded headset wired to a fax machine gives you the freedom to make calls without showing a line in use. If you can find a way to hide out from the security cameras, you can call out without anyone knowing what you're doing. Yeah, smart. Which I didn't know that was a thing that was possible. I didn't either, but I also wonder how useful this is now. Like, I wonder how many landlines are still active and how many fax machines are active and in use at this point but like i i know there's like an episode of ted lasso where like a major plot point is that he needs to send a fax and nobody has a fax but it is a useful thing to know you know it's it's definitely a useful thing i just think it's it's funny it is funny how quickly that's aged all right uncut rdx sometimes known as t4 
or cyclonite, is the most powerful military-grade high-explosive there is. It's an incredibly stable solid that can withstand small arms fire, but when detonated, expands faster than a plasticized form of C formulation like C4. Simply put, T4 is the good stuff. A lethal explosive that creates a wall of fire and shrapnel that will decimate everything and everyone in its path. Yep. The good no, stuff. Good so that's four the tips. The uncut good stuff. The uncut good stuff. So here's the question. Is this last one anything? Well, you gotta read it. This is, a, this is an audio uh, medium, Chris. I am, okay. Covert operative... <laughs> is one of the most stressful jobs there is. Like soldiers, ER doctors, and astronauts, spies have to schedule extended downtime for decompression. Carry that stress too long, and it's easy to start missing details. Like a strange pair of shoes under the crack of your door. This is nothing. Is any of that anything? This is nothing. Oh no, it's nothing. This is nothing. Not e like, I was thinking, like, maybe the shoes thing. I think it's good life advice that, like, if you're stressed out, you might miss details. <laughs> no. I know that we're recording this during Mental Health Month, but no, this is nothing. I All regret right, to well, inform you that this is nothing. Spy, like, and again, the single other spy tip that was there was even worse. <laughs> so that's not five spy tips. Uh, All right. Now, here's the question. Is this week's case solved the spycraft over violence? There was a lot of violence in this episode. Yeah, so here's the thing. I think that the the operative phrasing, which we might throw out of court, is important here, which is, did they solve the weekly case? And technically, the way they solved the weekly case is Fee blew Larry to hell. <laughs> she just That's fucking true. murdered his ass. I guess Michael does have the little, the, cell, the phone thing. Like, there's definitely some spy shit happening. I mean, the only spy shit that really happened, actually, though, is the phone thing. Michael manages to make a call out to Fee. Otherwise, the spy stuff was Larry setting it up. And I don't think yeah. that if the criminal of the week sets I mean, something I up. Know. I don't know exactly. I think, like, I this like Larry and Michael are doing some spy shit together. Uh, yeah, I guess. I, I guess. There, enough spy stuff happens that I think that the, the spirit of this gets upheld. Like it's not just you know this is this is all this is like spy versus spy yeah. versus spy, right? Like this is yeah, this is Anton right. Anson versus Larry versus Michael. It's three different spies with competing needs, um, mm -hmm. kind of like doing spy stuff to each other. That so is like, true. It, it, this it's is an not episode really... where the villains are doing more spy shit than the heroes are doing. <laughs> yeah, the heroes are just kind of having to react to the spy shit going on around them. But yeah, like the um, spirit of this rule is supposed to be that like this is this isn't just like a cop procedural episode. Yeah. Like this is an episode that makes the most of the fact that this is a show about a spy, and I think it does that. Okay, cool. Well, I suppose Michael is a dumb guy. Is that I'll be honest, be I fully alias? missed that. I, I fully missed that entire sequence. Like, uh, I, I was, I will admit, I am at work while watching this episode, so, like, I wasn't paying as close of attention, but, like, the fact that, like, I could mostly watch this episode and have missed it, it doesn't count. No, yeah, you're right. So this I episode's don't think not a great episode it. of Burnout is then, because, like, Yeah, it's even, officially not, but we gotta, we gotta finish, we gotta finish our but like, yeah, evaluation. Was Fee, Fee definitely got to blow something up. Yes, she no did. One could, no one can say that Fee did not blow something up in this episode. She used the good stuff. She used the good she stuff. She did the biggest blow up that she could do. Did Sa Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? I, mean, I did like their little scene at the beginning with Jesse. I did like that too, but I don't think that's necessarily peak Bruce Campbell. I just think it was a fun character moment. Yeah. Beyond that, like, yeah, Sam doesn't get to do too much. Mm -mm. Was Jesse a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? Jesse's not in this one. This he's only really in it in the beginning. In the beginning. With, yeah, and like the beginning stuff is good though, and it's sort of like yeah, I guess he must like after he derails a armored convoy of CIA agents, he just like all right, well I gotta go to work. Bye. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's fully not in the resolution of this. Like no, not at all. Spy versus spy versus spy. So yeah, I don't I don't think he's no, anything. I, don't think so either. I guess the question is. Was Madeline's one scene at the beginning a genuine <laughs> emotional moment? I did like no. it. 
Yeah, it's fine. I mean, like any scene that Sharon Gless is in post season one is great, but yeah, I don't I think do that think, I like, would count it as a, dis- a yeah. genuine emotional moment. Like, I will say it's one of the better, like, there's a scene that we get in Burn Notice a lot, wherein... Um, Madeline lectures Michael about how his job affects other people. Yes. And it's like one of the better ones I felt like, or like it made them, it made sense to do it at this point. And like, she sells it, but yeah, I don't think it's necessarily. But yeah. Enough. I don't. And, and like, I think that the important thing is with another character. It's not that like Sharon Gless was good at acting in this scene. It was like, there has to be an exchange. And I don't think Michael's yeah. giving us a lot here because you know, he's not supposed to, but yeah, no, yeah exactly. I don't, if it's not reciprocated, I don't think it counts. Cause like her whole, you know, her whole function in the show, broadly speaking, is to be sort of like the emotional exactly. core, the grounding so, core. And she yeah. doesn't provide that here. Exactly. So this is not a great episode of Burn Notice. Nope. nope. But is it a great episode of television? I mean Can I say I enjoyed this one a lot? I think this is like my favorite Burn Notice mid-season finale. Like it's not technically a mid-season finale. But spiritually, but it, it functions. Is. It, 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 yeah, it narratively functionally functions it like one. And I think it's like my favorite one. I like. Yeah. I think all I the mean, twists worked for me. Yeah, I would agree and, like, with that. And like it's... I said, I liked the way that like everything that happens in it, like, is like coming from this sort of more character place. Like, this is like Larry's goodbye. And I think like this is an episode that like understood what it what they had to do to blow up larry like to me this is like the platonic ideal of burn notice doing a mythology episode and i i like mythology episodes i like shit like this i think it's a, a lot stretch of the time to say platonic ideal i still felt well, very ideal, unsatisfied like, with a lot see i just i don't know it all played for me i really enjoyed all of it I, mean, like, I enjoyed it. It was fine. Like, I think one thing that we've repeated a lot this season is that, like, while there aren't as many great episodes of television, the episodes of television that there are are much stronger. Mm-hmm. Like, we generally have more positive reactions overall to things. And, like, this tracks with that. Are you arguing that this is a great episode of television? I mean... Because the twists working for you and the mythology of finally answering any fucking question about the overarching plot of Burn Notice, I don't know if that counts as a great episode. Like, does this transcend the lore that we were waiting for to become a like, great in and of itself episode? I think it's like a, I think it's like a good script. Like, I think it all works. Like, there's not, I don't actually have any problems with the script at all. I'm not going to argue too hard for it, but I also don't have, I don't know. I found it exciting and in a way that I tend to not necessarily find these episodes exciting. I mean, compare it to last week's though. I mean, last week's was better. Sure. Um, but like, okay, so like, I, I think we, think we like, cause I don't disagree with you that it was, it's the, it's certainly the best mid season finale functioning episode. Certainly, it is the best version of the th- episode that it is previously. Yes. That's what I'm saying. It's like, and I like this. I think, like, and I think it's fulfilling the promise of, like, this kind of show. Like, I, it's, like, exciting. I don't know. Like, and I'm not going to argue too strenuously against it. I do think that it's valid to say that, like, of all of the great episodes of television we've had previously, this is the weakest. Like, I would say this is a very good episode of television. Yeah, that's I, 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 I feel like I've become you from, like, early on Burn Notice, where you were like, okay, well, what do we mean by great episode of television? Totally. <laughs> but I also kind of think that, like, mid-season finales and, like, mythology episodes kind of have, like different criteria than like just a case you know what that's actually that's some you you that okay you got me there because i i'm I'm looking over our spreadsheet right now and i think this is the exact argument we made for the season three premiere that matt nix wrote the first great episode of television matt nix ever got and i think we argued like in that episode um not with each other but like we are we made the argument that a season premiere has a distinct function similar to a pilot that really can't mm-hmm. be held to the same standards of a mid-season yes. episode and so that that argument works on me you know what it's a great episode of television why sure why not? not 
Good for you, Jason Tracy. You did it. Like I think it might be the like, first solo um, great episode of television that Jason Tracy's ever got. He got oh, totally. some early ones when he was with Craig O'Neill, but I think but this is the like first solo. solo one for Jason Tracy. Like I think it's a really good example of like this kind of thing. The you got thing me. That, yeah, the thing that you need this like the thing that you need this episode to be, it does that very well. And I enjoyed it. I did too. This is a good two weeks worth of episodes. This is I agree. This is the, and it yeah, needed this it. This exciting. season needed it because like we were not on it board really with this season. Well, again, we were we're we're not on board on like an episode to like on an individual episode basis. We have broadly liked all of the episodes. Like they're obviously with one major exception to that rule. Yeah. Um, but, but like, then, I don't know. Burn Notice so is I definitely overall a stronger show, but yes, we, we agree that there haven't been as many ago. high highs. Yeah. I think we talked a couple weeks ago about how like after like the highs of season four and like how it seemed like they had learned some lessons about like plotting and stuff and how they were kind of losing it. I don't know. I needed these two weeks. I did too. And Especially so I'm glad that, that you them. and I feel like shit this week. <laughs> yeah. Like, and this is also the closest together we've ever recorded episodes. We recorded uh, two weeks ago and three weeks ago's episodes like two days ago. We yeah. we we never record this closely back to back. And it was going to be an intense session. Uh, and I'm glad that these were the episodes that we had to watch. Same. All right. Well, hey, good job. Good job, uh, Big Daddy Nicks and Jason Tracy. I will say next week is one that Nick... Uh, Big Daddy wrote but did not direct. It seems like interesting. Like he is splitting up his directing and writing du- duties this season. Well, did um, he do that for um, the premiere as well? Because a lot of times for the premieres and finales, which he always writes, sometimes he directs those as well. Yeah, sometimes he directed. He's directed less episodes of this show than I realized. I think he's only directed like five or six episodes of this show total. Hang on, I just want to. I want to check really quick if he directs the premiere finale because i don't i don't remember we don't keep track of the directors the same way we keep track of the writers no steven surgic directed yeah. the premiere but and he's written the... way more episodes of burn notice than he's directed i mean that makes sense he's the showrunner uh oh like, he doesn't he doesn't direct the finale either some guy that i've never heard of does yeah which is sort of interesting so which i thought was what made it interesting that he directed this one and i really liked a lot of the direction in this one yeah, it wasn't um, bad. It was, I mean, you know, it's bog standard TV directing. Yeah. I didn't find anything spectacular about it, but I didn't find anything particularly objectionable. Yeah, but I thought it was solid. Well, with that... Surprisingly high note to go out on. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing left but to thank Vincent E.L. for our theme music. If you want more from Vincent, go to vincentel.bandcamp.com. And until then, bye. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs>